This morning I'm entitled this little message, The Miracle of Christmas. Most Christmas messages are about joy to the world, the peace of Christmas, uh, have a blessed time at Christmas, best wishes, and all the usual things that come on the front of Christmas cards. But I thought for a change we'd have a look at the miracles of Christmas. Um, and the first miracle that uh, you come across in the uh, scripture is found in Matthew 2. That's if you start to read in the New Testament, of course. And this is what the first two verses say. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and the wise men had seen his star in the east, which was many, many miles away from Bethlehem. Now, when royalty is born, usually a flag is raised or a gun salute is made. But for Jesus, it was quite fitting that a star was shining, his star. Jesus said he'd come into the world to be the light of the world. And so how fitting it was that he was to have his own star. Many commentators believe that this star appeared in the east when Jesus was born, but it took up to two years for the wise men to make arrangements and then execute the journey from, uh, from the east and to the place where Jesus was born. And perhaps that was borne out by the fact that Herod, uh, when he destroyed the babies around, Jerus uh, around Bethlehem, destroyed the babies up to two years old, because that was when the uh, wise men first saw the star. Um, Christmas cards kind of display sometimes a star over a stable and uh, three wise men on camels. Well, of course, that's not really the correct image because when the wise men came, they didn't find Jesus in a stable. They found him in a house. The star stopped over the house where Jesus was. And so people kind of get it wrong, this thought of the star and Jesus uh, in the stable. Some astronomers uh, try to explain this miracle away. And it was a miracle. Many astronomers seem tell us that, oh yeah, two stars came together and produced extra light and this, that, and the other. And they try and rubbish the thought of, a, of Jesus having a special star. But of course, unbelievers don't believe in miracles anyway. Don't let anybody uh, cause us to disbelieve what the scripture says. God is, was no um, novice at making stars. He put millions of them in the sky. One extra star wasn't going to make any difference. And, you know, these were wise men. They weren't novices looking through little telescopes. The other thing was this star moved. And then it stopped. Now, I've seen a star over my house. 
and it stopped. But the thing is, you've probably seen the same star over your house because stars today are that high up and always have been that they don't cover one house, they cover a load of houses. But in verse 9 of, uh, Luke 1, of uh, Matthew, you'll find that this star stopped over the place where Jesus was. It was a direction, it was an indicator where they could find God the Son, the Christ child. And so it seems to me that anybody that disclaims the, the uh, miracle of this star seems to be just wrong. In Isaiah 2, there's a verse there. Let me read it to you. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in deep darkness, a light has dawned. It's a prophetical verse. Now, of course, it's not prophetical of the star, but there are some significant things which would uh, show it to be symbolical of this star. A people living in darkness. Well, of course, the verse in Isaiah is talking of the Gentiles. Who were the wise men? They were Gentiles. It's talking of uh, a star, a great light. And the star of Christmas was a great light, Jesus Christ himself. So how symbolic was that verse in Isaiah uh, compared with what actually happened at Christmas time? Let's look at another miracle. You'll find this one in Luke 1 and verses 26 um, to 38. <clears throat> I'm going to read these verses to you. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is, born, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, 
Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The second miracle we're looking at is this miraculous conception. It had never happened before, and it's never likely to happen again. I can see no reason for it ever happening again. Verse 37 says, For the word of the Lord will never fail. That's in many of the Bibles, probably in the Bible that you're reading from. The AV and the NIV and the standard American version, they all say that uh, nothing is impossible with God. And so let's quickly look at the two uh, different translations. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 says, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son whom you shall call Emmanuel. Manual, of course, is God with us. And so here we have the angel speaking to Mary and confirming that she shall bear a son and call his name Jesus. That was the common name for Jesus throughout his life. But also, of course, he was called Emmanuel. Jesus meaning uh, Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so Mary was told that she was going to have this baby. She was a virgin. That's what you call a miracle, isn't it? Incidentally, perhaps I should have told you earlier, miracle, according to Wikipedia, is an event contrary to the laws of nature and attributed to a spiritual cause. And later on, we'll have a look what that spiritual cause was all about. And so Mary was to have this baby. She, of course, questioned how it could be because she was a virgin. She'd never known a man. And the angel explained to her that the Spirit of God would come upon her and she would become pregnant and bear God's son. When she questioned the angel, he simply turned around and said, in the other translations, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Clive believes it, and I believe it. Perhaps some of you do too. But there was another miracle baby, wasn't there? Baby number two. The angel of God also came to Zacharias. And uh, Tristan's mentioned it this morning. And he mentioned to Zacharias that in his old age, and even Elizabeth being barren, they were going to have a child. What a miracle. As I look around this morning, uh, there's one or two old people here this morning, including myself. And it would be unthinkable if we were told that we were going to have a baby. It would certainly be a miracle. And so, uh, Zacharias, uh, he was, he couldn't understand. But Gabriel says, your prayer has been heard. I wonder how long it was that Zacharias had prayed for this baby. 
I don't believe it was last week or the week before the angel visited. Must have been years before. Sometimes, friends, our prayers don't get answered straight away. But God keeps them in mind. He keeps all our prayers, even the unanswered ones. He knows what we've been asking for. Your prayer has been heard. And I'm, this is what God is going to do. He's going to give you a, a child. And of course, Zachariah, he couldn't believe it. And uh, Gabriel got a bit, well, it's, the tone of it to me seems a bit stroppy. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Do you believe it now? Well, of course, Zacharias, he, he was speechless. He was dumbstruck. Perhaps that should be he was struck dumb because the angel said, from now on, you'll be mute until the bit. Well, he didn't tell him when, until when, but he got his speech back when, when John, his son, was born. He didn't believe what authority Gabriel had. He was an angel, just an angel. He was a messenger. But it shows what authority these angels had and what authority God has. They were just doing God's will. What a difference between Mary and Gabriel. I wonder why the difference. When Mary asked the angel to explain, he explained. When Gabriel said, how can this be? He was struck dumb. Could it be that Mary just wanted to know how it could happen, being that she was a virgin, but Zachariah was unbelieving? He didn't believe it was going to happen. And the two conclusions were quite different. Well, there we've got a few miracles. Another miracle in the, in the life of and the story of um, Zacharias and Elizabeth was that she was filled with the Spirit. Now you say, well, so what? Even though the Spirit hadn't been outpoured generally, there were still people filled with the Spirit, even in the Old Testament. Well, that's right. So that's, that wasn't a miracle. But perhaps this was that John was even filled with the Spirit when he was in his mother's womb. You'll not have read that anywhere else in the Bible. He was filled with the Spirit before he was born because he had a job to do in preparing the way for Jesus. Let's look at the miracle birth of Jesus, shall we? You say, well, why is that a miracle? Surely God can do anything. Yeah, but God works miracles. And I believe that this is just as big a miracle, even though it was Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us that God is spirit, and that those that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. So God the Son was spirit. And yet here at Christmas time, that first Christmas time, here the Son of God, God's Son, was clothed in flesh. Mary was told that he would be called, that Jesus would be called, he would be called Jesus, but she was also told that he would be called the Son of God. Now, many believe that Jesus had appeared on earth before in the Old Testament. 
Many theologians call it a theophany or a Christophany. And let me give you the definition of that. The appearance of a deity, an encounter with a deity in which it manifests in an observable and tangible form. Let me give you a couple of examples. You'll remember in the early part of Genesis that Abram's fought a battle and won. On his way home, he meets Melchizedek, and he pays Melchizedek a tithe. Now, let me ask you, if I was to give you a few terms, who would you think I was speaking of? A priest king, a prince of peace, somebody who lived forever, who had no beginning and no end, who would you think that was? Jesus, yes. But that's the exact term that was used for Melchizedek in, in Genesis. He had no, nobody knew where he came from, no, nobody knew where, where he died. He was actually called the Prince of Salem. Salem means peace, so he was the Prince of Peace. And so Melchizedek had exactly the same titles as Jesus. So why not? A Christophany. Let me give you another example. You remember the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew lads, Shadak, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember how they didn't fall down and worship the king's golden image. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they were seen to be walking about. They were told to make the fire hotter, so much hotter that those that threw them in actually died. And yet when the king looked into the fire, even in that vast, that great heat, he commented, I put three men in the fire. Why do I see fourth? fourth? And the fourth is like unto who? The Son of God. Could it be that God was there protecting them? Could have been a theophany. No reason to believe that it wasn't. So Jesus had been before, but he was always in his theophany. He was always in the spirit, even though he was a tangible and could be seen. God, of course, uh, when asked by Moses if he could see him, he said, yes, but only if I'm behind, uh, I'll see. he could only see the, the, the shadow, the, 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 the light of God himself. And so we have these strange incidents in the Old Testament. Jesus, and I, I can believe that uh, quite easily that he'd been to earth before. And yet, here we have him coming in the flesh. There is a saying, you can't choose your family, but in this instance, God did. He sent Jesus to be in the care of Mary and Joseph. And he must have taken quite a bit in choosing who he was going to send them to. The angel said she was highly favored. That means she was blessed of God. Um, and Jesus, he submitted himself to this care of an earthly couple. What a miracle that was. Here we have the king of glory, 
the eternal of days, the creator of the world, the bright and morning star, God's only son. And he submitted to becoming a slave and then submitted himself to a criminal's death. Why? Well, he loved you and me. What a miracle that was. Philippians 2, 7, 8 says, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of a cross. You might not believe that's a miracle, but I believe that's one of the most tremendous miracles in the Bible. There are other miracles, of course, around this theme of Christmas. The angels visited Joseph in a dream. Joseph had another dream before he took his family off to Egypt to escape Herod. There was a dream given to the wise men not to go back to the king. We've seen that angel Gabriel was visited Mary and Zacharias. And the heavenly host visited the shepherds so that they knew about Jesus. There was a lot going on at Christmas, wasn't there? And you thought you had a busy time at Christmas. Let's have a look at the spiritual cause. There is a spiritual cause to this. Jesus came for a reason. Now, you probably know that I'm no angel. You can ask my family, they'll confirm that. But there's a message here that we can take from this Christmas, these Christmas miracles. And it comes in the form of the, the, the rhetorical question that Gabriel asked Mary. In fact, there are two questions I want to ask this morning. First of all, is there anything too hard for God? And of course, you have to say, no, there's nothing too hard for God. And the other question I want to ask you is, has God changed? And of course, the answer to that one is no. Scripture confirms it in Hebrews 13, 8, doesn't it? That Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't changed. And so there is no reason for us not to expect a miracle, even this Christmas. God hasn't changed. He's still working miracles. We can expect a miracle this Christmas. What is the most important miracle that we could ever experience. It's the miracle of new birth. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I know most of you, but I don't know everybody. And I want to just mention this morning that if you're an unbeliever, then there is a new birth to be had. That's the reason Jesus came and said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. On Tuesday last week, we were looking at the, at the men's fellowship. We were looking at a, um, a ministry by Charles Price. He used to be the uh, principal of Cape and Ray Bible College. And Charles Price uh, pointed to uh, something which I'd never recognized before. He said that there's only two people ever been born who were born to live. That was Adam and Jesus. Adam, when he was born, he was born to live forever. But of course, he blew it, and he died. And he brought physical death 
to all who followed him. Jesus overcame death. He was born to life. And although he died on the cross, he never died spiritually. Death, Jesus overcame death and brought spiritual life to all who are born again of his spirit. The Apostle Paul picks up this theme when speaking to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. It says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, of course, it is important to point out that we're speaking of two deaths here. Adam uh, as in Adam all die, speaking of that phys- the physical death, which, of course, we're all going to uh, endure, go through. And in Christ's case, he's talking about a spiritual life. Adam was a taker, you see. He took, took of the fruit. Jesus was a giver. John tells us that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And that's where the miracle occurs, friends. What a miracle to know that this dull life that we live can experience a greater life. Scripture tells us that Jesus came to give life and he came to give it to the full. He came to give it in abundance. And it's talking, of course, of everlasting life. When we commit our lives to the Lordship of Christ, His Spirit comes and dwells within, and a change takes place. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, you'll have experienced what I'm talking about. You'll know the difference that Christ makes. You'll know the change that He puts within your life. You know uh, that you can expect a miracle. As a child of God, Father loves to give good gifts to his family. And so we as children can expect miracles, even at this Christmas time, 2,000 years on or more. What sort of things did God give to his children? Joy, peace, health, wisdom, gives the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. How do we get these miracles? Well, of course, we need to ask for them. We pray, we ask God, and God often answers our prayers. He never forgets our prayers, as we've seen before. James, in his epistle there, James, the brother of Jesus, he constantly reminds us to ask of God if we lack anything. We looked at this on Wednesday night, particularly in the area of wisdom. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, then ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and withholds not. And perhaps that's something that we should be doing. What about healing? James mentions that if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and they shall pray for them and the prayer of faith shall save them or heal them. And he also talks about asking for forgiveness. You know, when we were at Sunday school, 
We used to sing a little song where it said, expect a miracle every day. Expect a miracle when you pray. If you expect it, God will find a way to provide a miracle for you each day. Just a simple little prayer. But God loves the simplicity of prayer. He loves the children's prayers. And perhaps sometimes kids have more faith than we do. Perhaps it's time, it's Christmas time, that we start to think about, do we need a miracle in our lives? If we haven't experienced the miracle of new birth, we certainly need that. I know I would ask anybody that's not experienced the miracle of new birth to come and speak to one of the elders afterwards, myself, Tristan, Olivia, Helen. Speak to one of us afterwards. Let us know that you need to know more about being born again. Um, and if you want a healing or anything like that, then you should be asking for it. You know, James is suggesting that you exercise your faith so that the elders can pray for you and exercise their faith and God can work the miracle. And so let's pray. And as we do, if you need prayer, then why don't you make your way to the front and let us pray for you and expect a miracle. Expect this Christmas time to be a miraculous time for you. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for that first miracle that uh, we, we, we've seen today, that, that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We thank you, Lord, for these lovely miracles at Christmas time. And we, we pray, Lord, that as we put them all together, we, should, we can see the miracle of Christmas, this, this lovely time of the year when we remember that you came to dwell amongst us, for one purpose only, that you might give us life. Help us this morning, our Heavenly Father, to exercise faith. Help us to trust you more for the things that you want us to have. We pray today that we shall experience a great Christmas, this Christmas time, because we've remembered to put our trust in the God who loves us, the God who cares for us, the God who provided for us by sending Jesus to be our Savior. Thank you once again in his lovely name.